0: I rewatched Independence Day yesterday. How was that? I was worried it wasn't going to be as good as I remember. And I was right. It, uh... Didn't hold up. It's not that it didn't hold up. It's just, like, all the characters were characters of themselves. And, like, didn't have any depth. Hmm. That sounds like a, uh... A pretentious movie take. I... Like, it's... It was fine. It's a very fun movie. I just... What I wanted from it was it to be like 30% more Bayham. <laughs> like, if it was directed by Michael Bay instead of Roland Emmerich, mm. I think that would be interesting. Yeah.
1: Just more explosions, basically. It's like
0: so much over the top camera movement. Yeah. Anyway. Well, also, the movie's way too long. Really? How long is it? It's 145 minutes. Mm. It is. It's pretty long. 20 minutes before Will Smith comes on on screen and it's 45 minutes before they blow up the white house wow yeah, yeah. that's a lot of build up i was clocking it man i'm like the first <laughs> act is 45 minutes i get there's a lot of setup but like there doesn't have to be that much setup that could have been 15 minutes
1: so what did you rate it on letterboxd i'm
0: actually just about to do that right now um and i'm trying to decide what to rate it
1: gonna rate it live on air
0: yes well oh that's a lot of pressure I mean, I was going to give it three stars, but I like for nostalgia reasons, I'm going to give it three and a half.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a cultural phenomenon, right? Yep.
0: So. so I guess like if I give it three and a half, let me let me go back and I'm always worried about my my ratings being skewed i rate a lot of things three and three and a half Mm -hmm. and like maybe i'm just bad at rating i'm only good at rating things good or bad yeah and then not not actually on a five-point scale so i've been trying to be more liberal with my four stars and my mm -hmm. two stars five five five-point rating scale is hard
1: because people always think of all those ratings differently and yeah it's hard to compare across people
0: well that's why i like whenever i rate something i have to double check myself when i rate something like three stars or three and a half stars. And I'm like, mm-hmm. man, maybe I should go back and like just double check what I rated. Some other stuff that are three and three and a half stars, and see if those are equal in level of moviness to this other movie that mm-hmm. I just watched. So, for point of reference, uh, I rated the mo- the documentary Free Solo, which is about the guy that free soloed El Cap, mm-hmm. which was insane. Yeah, I was the most stressful movie I've ever watched. Like, and I've seen a lot of horror movies, more stressful. Three and a half stars. I rated The Blackening three stars.
1: I still think that movie's about grilling. No comment.
0: <laughs> Blue Crush is three stars. I'm looking for another three and a half. I rated The Town three and a half. That's that. I've never even heard of that movie. Bank robbing movie with with uh, oh, that what a Boston guy in it. What's his name? No idea. He was Batman for a while. He directed that movie Argo. He sells insurance. I got nothing. Okay. 65 was three stars. Yeah, Independence Day is better than 65. Okay, I'm all right with this. I watched that movie Deep House, which is about a haunted house underwater and these two people scuba dive down there and they get trapped in a haunted house underwater and then they die. <laughs> Spoiler Luke, alert. Lucas, how many movies do you watch? So like, whenever, like, you know, like do a lot of stuff during the day and whenever it's, I don't know, like somewhere, like 8.30 or so, I'm like, okay, I got like an hour and a half to kill... Maybe I want to, like, podcast prep or, like, work on a script thing or just kind of, like, fiddle around on computer stuff. I'll throw a movie on in the background. And so I watched in the month of June, I think it was 15 movies. That's quite a few. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, one every two days. I, I know. Okay, so for the month of the July, so far, I've watched four movies.
1: Uh, that's a that's one a day.
0: But it's not one a day because I didn't watch any movies Today.
1: Mm, So you had a double header in there. Ah
0: crap. Wait, no. I'm gonna watch movies today though. I'm probably gonna like because I'm gonna be smoking some brisket later and I'm probably gonna put on a movie.
1: Yep. I mean, you might be able to exceed 31 movies in July.
0: I'm not gonna try I'm not trying. (laughs) I'm not like trying to watch a billion movies. I have like seventy movies on my watch list and I just gotta get through it. I just gotta get through it.
1: Maybe the the
0: movies that I watched this month, um, which we've already talked about the blackening and free solo and independence day. uh, I watched Crazy Rich Asians. Oh yeah, I heard of that one. I watched I rated that one four stars. Wow, so empirically better than Independence Day. No,
1: oh. man, heard it here first.
0: <laughs> okay, enough of that. Yep. What are we What are we actually talking about?
1: Uh, well, I think we're probably talking about some kind of camera stuff. Yep. But I did
0: a lot of prep for this episode,
1: Daniel. Did you?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Independence Day was did not take a lot of my oh. thought energy. Okay, <laughs> so, so that
1: <laughs> wasn't part of the prep you're referring to.
0: <laughs> and so I did I did a lot of a lot of prep for this oh, episode. Man, high expectations. I looked at like every lens that that Canon makes and Nikon makes and Sigma makes and Sony makes that that don't believe you I did that's, I was like I was like who's lenses. got who's got like the best lens category here and I was I was surprised to see that you know when you go to like Nikon site and you're like all Z-mount lenses and not only full frame it's like 40 lenses Canon 30. wow Sony like 40 41 45 man. But Sigma's also like forty, so yeah. When you add the Sigma in, Sony's like we have twice as many lenses as everybody else. <laughs> Anyways, we'll we'll probably maybe get into that later. I don't know. Yeah. But before we start, I tried to edit something on Final Cut Pro on the iPad.
1: Oh, I'm curious to hear how this mm-hmm.
0: went. Uh, it, well, it didn't. It didn't succeed. Oh. Like awkward. I got into it, and like some of the things that I wanted to do, I was trying to edit something on. DaVinci Resolve, and I didn't have a Bluetooth keyboard near me to enable the better tabs. Uh, so yep, I was trying yep. to do things like speed ramp in the cut tab, and okay, the most annoying thing, amongst all these iPad editing softwares, is I can't find one that will convert stereo to mono. Oh, and I'm like, this is oh, for the audio. Yeah. yeah, it's like this is the most simple thing, and I'm using a what are Deity Duo four microphone. Yeah, and it's like. It records the front mic to one track and the back mic to the other track. And I hate to just like, pans left and right and left and right and left and right whenever you flip the camera around. Yeah. I just like, I want it to be like, let me convert it to mono. And you can't do it. You have to like, pull it into a real editing software to do that stupid, simple little thing. Is there a camera setting for that, maybe? That's what I was looking for the other day. I was looking to see if there was a way to force mono on the X-H2S and I couldn't find it. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. So that's really frustrating. And I thought, I was like, okay, maybe... Like maybe Final Cut Pro for the iPad can do speed ramping because speed ramping is like this really good thing in a regular Final Cut.
1: Yeah, you can do this, the speed blade thing. Right, and it's exactly. Super easy. And so
0: mm-hmm. I'm like, maybe it has that, and maybe I can fix this dumb audio thing. Can't, couldn't do either. Huh. So I was, I was really frustrated about that. Yeah. So it seems to me the, the whole like navigating around and like dropping clips in and cutting up the timeline and all that stuff was very Final Cut Proy. a lot of like magnetic timeline like inserting things and like zipping around that was great i liked the wheel for scrubbing stuff i felt like the interface was very well thought out but all of the things that you would ever want to do in final cut that are like a keyboard shortcut or a right click just don't exist Mm. and so it's very very simple it's just it's just cutting and it's almost an exact parallel to the cut page in davinci resolve for ipad
1: yeah it's interesting like they're both too simplistic and in the same ways, and it's kind of like whichever one adds native support for more features first, we'll get, we'll get some some number of users just for that.
0: Yeah, I still have like a few weeks left on my trial, so we'll see how, see how it goes. I definitely want to edit something full in it, but it doesn't support any of the LUTs yeah, that you, I want. Yeah, that's
1: what I was going to ask. Like, you, you can't shoot in log and, and, and edit it. No, you?
0: I need to shoot in like classic Chrome or something yeah. or Eterna and then edit that way, or I can... Like, it's on iPad, so I could bring the footage. And I did this for one of them that I was going to edit. But, like, I can bring the footage into Resolve, drop the LUT on it, export it, and then bring that, that into feels Final like such,
1: That feels like such a waste of time, though. I mean, like... It does. Like, why not just edit in Resolve at that point?
0: Oh, uh, no. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The fact that the Resolve has the full color page is so clutch. Yeah. And, like, if you're not doing any color then like you don't need it and final cut's probably faster and cooler and funner funner more fun one of the problems with the resolve on the ipad is that it doesn't they're just they'll just let you do whatever you want and so you can like if you go and you drop uh, you know like noise reduction and helation or something some other like pretty intensive effect on the color grade tab and you're like cool export it will take an eternity because <laughs> the m2 is like like it's fast, but it's, it not will, that fast. it's like if you have a six minute video and you drop um, even like moderate noise reduction on it, it's going to quadruple your render yeah. times. And I've seen it say like, oh, this is going to take three hours to render. Well, I'm not I'm not dealing with that. It would
1: be nice if it could detect what you've added and tell you before you render, you know, hey, just so you know, we know you're on a mobile device and this the settings that you've selected are going to take a long time.
0: There's like, no that way cool. that they don't have analytics that are like, here's the RAM and processor you have. Here's the length of the video with the settings and like yeah. an approximate render time, and like some sort of database. Yeah, you would
1: think they would, well, at least they would know if you had something like noise reduction or halation, like that's just going to take a long time. Mm-hmm. And it would be kind of nice. I mean, maybe... Make it, make that something you can disable because that might get annoying if you're like, I know, I know, but well, you know, at least like, like a, show you something.
0: Not even like a pop up. Like you put the thing in the queue, and I know the iPad's different. You have to share or whatever. You're not using the export tab, but where you have the export, like it could have a little number in the corner that's like estimated export time. Yeah, 30 minutes an hour or whatever yeah that would be super super handy yeah I if they, if they thought
1: that. they could do it with that level of accuracy it'd be great
0: it doesn't even have to be that accurate mm-hmm. i mean if it's like this is gonna be 30 minutes and it takes 45 or 15 like fine yeah as long as it's not like 30 minutes and it takes 10 hours yeah yeah you so, would think they would know but they don't even do that on the computer no they don't i'm just saying that'd be a cool feature it would yeah well so I tried it going to try it again. I actually need to do a whole edit on there and then we'll report yeah.
1: back. It's disappointing. I mean, we we wanted Final Cut Pro on the iPad for so long and then it finally comes and it's just not what we needed it to be. It's a shame.
0: Like it's it's good and it's there and I'm it's just it doesn't have all the features that you want. Yeah. Like just some of those little clutch missy things like being able to do the speed ramping and that sort of thing. I mean, If it's just cutting and, like, moving clips around, I mean, that's... you can can do that with all kinds of software. Yeah. I mean, it seems like LumaFusion is probably a better software for editing on the iPad than Final Cut Pro right now. And, but, like, yeah, also... I mean, I've never used LumaFusion. I'm just saying probably, okay? (laughs) Who knows? But, like, you got to start somewhere, I guess. And it seems like they've been working on this a while. Yeah. And at least it shows us that Apple cares about Final Cut a little bit. A little bit. Mm -hmm. That's
1: the best we can hope for. Yeah,
0: it just... Sometimes it feels like Apple's pro software is for the fat part of the bell curve that are prosumers and don't actually do pro work. (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) let's let's talk about something else.
1: (laughs) Welcome back to the Camera Gear Podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Lucas. And we're here today to talk about the gear, software, and techniques we use to shoot photos and video.
0: When, when did you add the word techniques in the intro?
1: When I recorded it yesterday. Whoa,
0: <laughs> dude. I thought we'd change it up a little bit, see if oh. anybody notices. I was like, he sounds like he said something different, but I don't sound like I said something <laughs> different. I'm really confused. <laughs> the magic of editing. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay, you got some uh, additional thoughts here on this uh, Insta360 Go 3.
1: Yeah, so we talked about that in the last episode, and I looked at the product page and some of the buying information for it after that. And there were a couple of things that we didn't necessarily get wrong, but I felt like maybe we didn't represent properly. So the first was that we were kind of looking at the kits and talking about the pricing for it. And I think I said that I thought that, like, if you wanted one of the kits, it was going to end up being, you know, maybe like, 540 or something, I think is what I said. And I noticed a couple of things on their page where if you go to buy this thing, by default on their buying page, they pre-select the accidental damage protection, which is $40, and the extended warranty, which is also another $40. And so the price that you see at the bottom, like what you're gonna pay, is like $80 higher than what most people would probably want for this thing. Because I mean, Makar now blew it up and it was fine. So
0: <laughs> that's what I was going to say. I'm like, it's, this seems like a really cool action camera. If I was buying something for $500, that's like right on the border of, eh, do I really want to get the accidental damage protection? Like, eh, probably gonna get a thousand bucks or more. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. But after watching Makar now's video, I'm like, no way I'm buying a protection
1: yeah. plan for this thing. <laughs> and same with the warranty. I mean, sure, you know, warranty different. Maybe that's like, you know through no fault of your own something breaks maybe you're worried about that but
0: 10 percent of the cost of this thing just to get that i don't know if that seems worth it to do me. they rate the warranty by the amount of grams of gunpowder or <laughs> is this some other metric yeah so i don't know it i i feel like i wouldn't buy those things
1: and so it makes the overall cost of it a little bit cheaper the other part of it that i thought was interesting is you know when i see something where it's like there's a standalone item And then there's all these kits that have accessories and stuff. And I look at this camera and we talk about all the cool things you can do with the camera. My first thought is, well, I probably need one of those kits because they've got all this cool stuff. I want all the cool stuff. So that's what I need. But when I looked at it, really, I think for most people, the standalone version of the camera, like quote unquote standalone, is really probably everything you need for it. Because like in just the standalone kit, you get the camera, with the action pod, which is a little magnetic thing that it fits into and makes it a little GoPro thingy, you know, charge cable, the lens cover, all all that normal stuff. You also get the hat clip, the magnet necklace thing, and that pivot stand. So the pivot stand is the one that has the quarter 20 and the sticky base. And you get all that in the standalone kit. It's $400 for 64 gigs. And I mean, sure, they've got all these other different types of mounts. They have that monkey tail mount, things like that. And some of the other kits have those, but that's quite a bit of stuff that you get just with the base camera.
0: I guess you kind of have to price out, is there any of those other kits or accessories that you would want? And yeah. then do you get a substantial discount buying them separately or in the with the product? It doesn't seem like you get a huge
1: discount. You know, maybe you get 10 or $15 off total price of buying everything, but... They're they're not really discounting it that much. I would think uh, that
0: the Monkey Tail might be the coolest thing to get with it, but also the mount that it comes with has a quarter 20 on it. mm -hmm. So you just slap that thing on the GorillaPod you probably already have.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. Just thought that was interesting. Um, Also, B&H already has them in stock. And if you use that Payboo card, you don't have to pay
0: sales tax. When I was looking at Insta360's website, it seemed like they don't take sales tax either. Interesting. Or it said all taxes and fees included. Oh, so maybe like they just bake that in. Maybe so. I didn't notice that. Yeah, it was kind of on the top corner. So, Daniel, it seemed like you were going through uh, a lot of the pricing exercise someone would do if they were buying an Insta360 <laughs> yeah. Go Three. Yeah, it, does, it does seem that way. <laughs> Dan- Daniel. did Did you buy an Insta360 GO 3?
1: I have not yet bought an Insta360 GO 3, but I haven't ruled it out.
0: Okay. All right. I mean, thinking about shipping times and that Mm. thing at the end of the month. Maybe. (laughs) uh, Okay. All right. All right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, We'll see. I'm not going to buy it live on air today, but maybe next time I'll have one. (laughs) Anything's possible. Who knows? Yeah. Last little thing on that. I did notice that they do sell ND filters for the GO 3, so... That was something we were kind of wondering about last episode with shutter speeds and aperture and kind of, you know, how is this thing going to perform in bright sunlight, stuff like that. They, of course, advertise the NDs as being, if you want, the most cinematic footage. So, it's probably to get the shutter
0: speed down. I guess you can't control the shutter speed on these things. Is there a manual mode or something? It seems like, to me, what most people use them for is, like, just hit the button and it's going to expose and do it. And you don't want to have to think about that.
1: it does seem that way. I mean, because... At least none of the videos we saw, people weren't really like checking the light and, you know, let me make sure the exposure is just right and stuff. So I'm assuming you don't really have control over that. And I guess the ND filters just lower the shutter speed to make it smoother. I don't know.
0: That must be what it does. It just kind of, it brings down the shutter speed for your exposure first before doing something else. Yeah, I guess so. Before cranking, wait, I guess... Well, I guess what else is it doing, right? The Mm -hmm. aperture is fixed. It's going to bring the ISO down to 100 for noise, and then it's going to bring the shutter speed down. So Mm -hmm. uh, what else would it do? I don't know. Okay.
1: ND filters weren't cheap. It was like $55 for a set of three of them or something. Dang. Yeah, pretty high for how small the sensor is. Yeah,
0: I guess like ND filters are weirdly expensive. They are. And I get that glass and optical quality and all that stuff. I don't know. Could I just buy a UV filter and then put some like car window tint on it
1: please try that <laughs> i bet you get weird color shifts would probably be the problem i'm
0: gonna make a, i'm gonna make a tiktok like guys i hacked it <laughs> <laughs> infinite nds for only 500 dollars.
1: isn't an infinite nd just like a piece of black construction paper it's
0: actually gaff tape <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! All right. Speaking uh, that's a, of NDs, that's enough though, on the
1: Insta 360. You got an ND? I did get an ND. I finally got the uh, moment variable ND. Have you tried it out yet? I have not tried it yet. I, I pulled it out of the box and I looked at it and I said, "This doesn't turn very far." And interesting. Yeah, it's five stops. Though, no, right? it's a three. It's a six to nine stop. Okay, so, so that's, that's uh that's four stops, right? Because it's six, seven, eight, nine.
0: That is four. Yep. Yeah. Can't, can't, and, can't confirm.
1: Yep. And I looked at it. I got the 72 millimeter uh, because that fits my 50 to 140. Right. And I can step up the 67 millimeter on the Tamron 17 to 70 to match that. And those are the only two lenses I use. So the
0: thirty millimeter Sigma is fifty two. Could you step up fifty two to seventy
1: <laughs> two? I don't think so, but I do have <laughs> some variable NDs for the fifty twos. So. just like K and
0: F ones or whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah cheapo ones. But I oh. got the Moment one because I wanted a, a higher quality one for my main lenses, and I got the six to nine stop because F log two has a base ISO of twelve fifty, and we always have too much light when we shoot F log two. Always. So always, always, always. We'll see how it is. I think it'll be pretty good. When I said it doesn't turn very far, I'm not not kidding on that. I mean it's it feels like I barely turned the thing and it's it's already hit its max throw. So it's a little strange.
0: Interesting. It's like a quarter turn or like an eighth turn. It's more than
1: an eighth turn. It's less than a half turn. So, you know, maybe a quarter
0: I don't know. It okay. is about similar to the one that I have.
1: I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, you can't turn them too far. Like, the, the one thing that separates these good NDs from bad NDs is that they have the hard stops to right. prevent you from going all the way and getting the weird, like, cross effect. Yeah, thing. I was
0: going to ask you about that.
1: And, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't tried it on a camera, so I can't say for sure if it does that, but it shouldn't, right? Like, that's the point of buying one of these nicer ones. Did you buy it from Moment? I did. They had a uh, open box deal. Oh, so, they they sell open box stuff on their website, Pretty good deal. Um, I got mine for 130
0: That's not bad. I
1: think they're like 170
0: normally. Yeah, something like that. It's, yeah. It's a decent discount. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like I mean,
1: it's in perfect condition. It's open box from them. So, I mean, you know, you feel like you can trust that a yeah, little bit yeah, more. Yeah, 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 yeah. So,
0: yeah. It's something that you've desperately needed and I still also need because <laughs> I bought that one to five stop and I still find myself stacking that on top of fixed NDs. Yeah. And so, sometimes... I'll take my 3-stop ND and my 2-stop ND, and then I'll put the (laughs) 5-stop ND on top of it. And I'm like, well, I guess I still have to crank the shutter a little bit. Yeah, you have a cylinder of ND, and it's Mm -hmm. still not enough. I'm shooting at like f5.6. I'm (laughs) overexposed like two stops. (laughs) what is going on? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, kind of what it came down to to me is if I was just making my own videos for fun, I would probably just crank the shutter to infinity and just deal with it. That's because you're a monster, Daniel. I know. I know. But... You know we're doing paid work, and I've in in doing the paid work, I've run into situations where it's just been too bright, too bright, and that's the kind of thing where I don't really feel right compromising on quality because I don't have the right gear. Right, so.
0: you want to be able to make creative decisions around your shutter speed or angle, yeah, and and make that drive what you're making in the creative content and that sort of thing, not the conditions. You don't want to have to crank your shutter.
1: Exactly. So we'll
0: see. I hope it helps. Yep. Cool, well, that's exciting. Yeah, kind of want to play with it. Yeah, did it come in one of those like cool little metal cases? The moment ones too?
1: It's, it's not metal. It's like a plastic, plastic black plastic. cylinder. Yeah,
0: yeah, but it's like a little, like it looks like a, like a shrunken down. It
1: looks like a makeup case, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did <laughs> it, it had
0: like the real little, real little round uh, cloth in it? It did not have a little cloth oh, in man. it. That's disappointing. Yeah, yeah. mine, uh, my, my ten percent uh, cinnabum did. Oh
1: man, I feel ripped off now.
0: Yeah. I feel like I should put the Cinebloom on more things. You probably should. We talked about getting that black mist. But then we decided black mist wasn't right. Yeah. We are gonna get gold something.
1: We we never finished out that filter conversation. You no. know, what what we really need is for Tiffin to uh, send us some filters. That's so what I'm saying. Them.
0: Like we could hold a Tiffin and be like, hey, let us do it.
1: Yeah. We'll we'll <laughs> we'll figure out that. We'll demystify that triangle diffusion.
0: That's demystify. <laughs> I'm just saying, whenever people think about trying to cross-shop filters and figure out what's perfect for them, the best way to to like visualize that is in an audio format. Yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> that's how I shop for filters. Yep, <laughs> by listening to people talk about it. Okay, a few few more a uh, few more hot things right here. Gear Patrol bot DP review. Did I you see that? Saw that. Yeah,
1: that's exciting. You thought the DP review was just gonna shut down because Amazon said it was and then it kind of ended up in this weird uncanny valley where it didn't disappear and they still started posting articles and everybody's wondering what's going on
0: yep so on the petapixel podcast Jordan and uh Chris interview the guy at DP and talk about like the whole thing Mm. and so I it's not anywhere that's really getting into too much here yeah just because they they cover it better than we They cover everything that we talk about so I think like check that out probably uh, would be my advice, but just kind of real quick on this. Do you, did you know what Gear Patrol was before this happened? I think I had heard the name, but not in detail. I don't know what that site is. It's like I guess they have a publication, but then they rely mostly on like affiliate type revenue, unlike DP Review before, which I guess just maybe that's the same thing. They just funnel money into Amazon, and yeah. so I, st- I like I wonder, you know, what what that change is going to gonna require like they're gonna have to go and update every single link on the website <laughs> i don't know um it, it kind of reminds me of like wire cutter
1: i think that's the type of site it is where right they review a bunch of products and you know which one's the best dishwasher what's the best backpack you know that kind of thing and they, they kind of cover those sorts of topics so
0: Wirecutter is invaluable
1: it, it is but Man, it's really gone downhill since yeah, the New York used, Times bought it.
0: Uh, I would 100% agree with that. Yeah. It used to be better and now it's not. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So
0: something like that for camera gear would be pretty good. And DP uh-huh. Review has the reputation and the forums and test charts and all this stuff and all the back information for it. That could be a pretty good, you know, addition to what they do. Yeah.
1: I think it makes perfect sense. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, the biggest question in my mind, maybe they answered this on the podcast, but. You know, some number of people left DP Review whenever the Amazon news came out. I mean, like like Jordan and Chris being two of them. And I mean, does that make it much less valuable like your Patrol now? Like, how's that going
0: to happen? Are some of those people going to come back? I don't know. I think that maybe after those people jumped ship, the value of it went down. And to Amazon, it seems like, you know, they're just closing it. They don't, they're just cutting costs. So anything yeah. that they can sell it for, is probably an upswing and so you know, some someone like Gear Patrol waiting until, you know, a little just a little bit of time, letting things settle out, then jumping in and buying, they probably got it at a reasonable value reduction. Yeah. Because a lot of the staff had left. But what they're buying right is the is the name mm-hmm. and then all of that back content. I guess all so. the form information, yeah. all of the lens like the just the catalog and the, the search like optimization for D P mm-hmm. is probably really I really value I guess
1: it just remains to be seen whether the, the quality of the content will remain high given yeah, that some har- number of the people have left.
0: That's hard to say. We're just gonna have to wait and see. Yeah. Well, good good to see. It's still gonna stick around. I
1: mean, if nothing else, like having all that historical content stay online is gonna be great.
0: Yeah, I agree. Man, I still got like two more things before we even get into Nikon Cast. This is this is wild. I told you this is a super episode. I, yeah, I hope people are buckled up because mm-hmm. this is gonna be a long one. It's man, I'm like I've been scrolling for five minutes here just to get down past the Nikon part of the podcast <laughs> to see about this uh, tripod v mountain ring oh, item. Are we gonna get to no, that today? We're not, we're not I've been get to that. I've been dying to hear about that, no. and I just keep pushing it down the list because because maybe I don't actually care.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I care, Daniel. I swear. You. you you're dying to hear that, but the people are dying to hear about the Nikon guests. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, we've been teasing it for like two weeks. Yeah.
1: So let's get through this other stuff. All right, all right, okay,
0: okay, okay. As everyone remembers, I bought that 56 millimeter 1.2 on the podcast.
1: Yes, they they were all here for
0: it. Yep, and it came in, and I used it, and I love it, and I don't think that it's going to replace the 23 1.4 in my heart. Mm. And I want to be. I want to give this update. So I've shot. I've shot a lot of pictures of my dogs and I shot some at like a church thing, just kind of, you know, around the floor, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's exactly what, it, what it's supposed to be, right? It's a portrait lens. You're shooting things that are, you know, five, eight, 10 feet away from you. And it's really fast, you get that creamy bokeh, the sharpness and the separation that can get out of that lens is, uh, something that I don't get out of any of my other lenses. And I, I, got the same kind of quality of stuff out of the 85 that I used to use but and like the separation was is basically the same because you're going from 1.8 to 1.2 uh, but the field of view is is wider and so it makes it a little more usable and a little easier to frame whereas 85 I felt like I was always kind of creeping on people because I had to be you know, 15 20 feet away yeah you're like <laughs> way to, back there yeah in order to get reasonable frame. So i'm like way over there like snapping pictures of people versus the 56 like they can see me they can see that i'm there i can get them to pose if i need to and that sort of thing but the quality of photos i've been getting out of this i haven't really been impressed like very very sharp very clean images it's kind of everything that i wanted it to be and i haven't been disappointed
1: oh that's good to hear
0: i was worried about the minimal focal distance mm-hmm. and that has not been a problem so that's unpleasant surprise. Yeah, that's good. Yep. But there's some and some things where like I want to take a picture of it of like my dog or whatever. And I'm like, I have to take a step back. Like I'm I'm too close for this framing to work. And I really need to be shooting wider. And so I'm like, okay, there's there's like a real, real difference between twenty three and fifty six for me as far as a just kind of everything lens. And I know that's obvious because like they're so different in focal length. But it became even more obvious, kind of after having messing with the fixed lens.
1: Yeah, so you really like having that, like right up close and personal, being able to take a picture of something three feet away from you.
0: Sometimes, yeah, I think it's a like kind of a fun thing. So, uh did you see that picture that I posted on Discord of my dog? I did. Yeah, that was taken. Frisbee. That was taken with the twenty three, mm-hmm. and like I went out there because the sun, the the sky was like crazy. And with the sunset, and so I was like, oh, I kind of want to take some pictures and let's throw in the Frisbee. And I shot that with the 23 because I needed to be able to get the sky and like right. that up close and on all the, and the background blur and everything. I mean, you have to have a wide lens to get a shot like that. And it's just very different than 56. Yeah. And like, I know that we, I have the zoom and you have the zoom and, but for me, whenever I'm shooting on my 17 to 70, I'm shooting at like 20 millimeter and like, I don't know, 65 millimeter 90% of the time yeah. I've never like, sometimes I'll kind of like catch something in the middle range to frame, but most of the time I'm kind of using my feet to zoom anyway. And I feel like I don't, didn't spend a lot of time like in the middle of the range, which is that 15 millimeter. And so to me, shooting on prime makes you really kind of embody that focal length and like get a feel for what that looks like and how to use it right versus shooting on a zoom where you like yeah i have all i have all the focal lengths what's the problem yeah and it's like yeah but do you really are you really shooting at 40 millimeter ever (laughs) and it's like no you're not so it kind
1: of it kind of makes me wonder about that sigma 18 to 50 because then the you know like you said i think a lot of times on a zoom you end up shooting at the extremes of the range and that kind of makes me wonder about the eighteen to fifty because that's pretty close to the fifty six.
0: Yeah, it really is, and I don't know. I mean, you would end up shooting at fifty more, mm-hmm. so yeah. I don't know. It's yeah, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, I guess like the other advantage of the primes is that they are faster. Well, and there mean, is it's going to
1: be better image quality for sure. Yeah,
0: it, it's like sharper and cleaner, but mm-hmm. then also like shooting at less than two point eight. Like I don't shoot everything at low depth of the field. Like I've shot plenty of photos with this lens at five point six. Okay. Okay, Daniel. <laughs> if I, you say so. Huh? I didn't like buy it, set it at 1.2 and then put gaff tape over the aperture ring so that I couldn't change it. Not that you didn't think about it. I mean, like I bought it for 1.2. Like why would I why would I not do that? <laughs> okay, so like the aperture ring and the focus ring are right like right freaking next to each other. And like yeah. if you try to grab the lens to like take it off, there's no part of the lens except for the very little tip of the of the lens where, where you can grab something and turn it. So, you have to kind of like grab the edge of the lens and then turn it to take it off. That's a little annoying. Yeah. So, um, putting tape over the aperture ring maybe makes sense. True, true.
1: That'll also help when you invariably break it and have that same problem that the used ones had.
0: Yeah. After uh, after having used it a while, I was like, I can see why these things break after after eight years of use. Just not very well made or what's the deal? I don't know. There, there, there's no like solid metal. Like all the other ones that I have, it's it's like metal. Uh, it was focus ring, metal, aperture ring, metal. And this one, it feels like it's metal, focus ring, aperture ring, mount. Yeah. And like there's nothing, like they, they tried to cram it in. Mm, I think yeah. that a lot of those early Fuji mounts are all 62 millimeters. Like the, the 35 and the 23 and the 56 are all 62. And then the 16, 67. But all the new stuff is like 67. Like mm-hmm. the new 33 and the new 56. And I'm pretty sure the new 23. And so they kind of like let them sell. they took that box that you have to fit the Fuji lens in before it ships and they made it a little bigger. Uh huh. Yep. And so now they're all fit 67 millimeters instead of 62. Interesting. Okay. Anyways, whatever. Really happy with it so Glad far. you like it. Mm-hmm. That, that's year. my update.
1: Nice. <sighs> Tired yet?
0: We got to talk about the Moment Backpack now, dude. No, no, my no, it's gosh. not even Nikoncast oh, my yet. Gosh. It's still no Nikoncast.
1: All right. Moment Backpack. I know you can't help but talk about backpacks. It's kind of your thing. Oh my gosh. So. Okay. So
0: moment which I feel like moments trying to be peak design they really are I mean I I kind of get them mixed up sometimes just a little bit wow just a little wow. bit I don't because I feel like I feel like peak design makes better stuff oh <laughs> I don't like saying that I like I love moment I like that they're into Fuji stuff they make cool things no one's making the like their their iPhone lens system is you know the best version of that. And they have good cheap filters that are different than Polar Pro and whatever. But some of the stuff they make, I'm like, yeah, it's cheaper than Peak Design. But I would rather just buy the Peak Design. Mm.
1: So tell me about this backpack.
0: Okay, so it's on Kickstarter now. And it's their their everything backpack. And it's supposed to be for everything.
1: Which is a bold statement to mm-hmm. make.
0: And it reminds me a lot of like the the Peak Design like 30 liter travel backpack or their like zip everyday backpack.
1: Yeah, and the one the one that's like has no no real form and it's kind of weird.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so by by what I mean by that is it seems very flexible and canvasy. Uh not the Peak design isn't like that, but this bag it just seems like a super generic canvas backpack. Mm-hmm. And the main compartment opens all the way up. So if you imagine four sides of a square cuz it looks like a square. Four sides of a square, it unzips from bottom corner all the way around so that all three sides are unzipped, and then you can flail it open. Oh, okay. And they're like, you can use this to and the Peak Design does the same thing. You can use this to be a side access or a top access sure. or a full open access. And then they're doing the thing that Peak Design does where they have like camera cube options that clip into the big compartment. Or you can use a big compartment as a travel type thing, where you are going to pack your clothes in, or you put your packing cubes in, or that sort of thing. And then it has like a laptop pocket and some accessory pockets, and then the side pocket can fit an LG. Well, like nothing out of it that I am looking at like stands out. It's just kind of like this does all the things, and it doesn't look like it's super padded, and it's kind of it looks cool as far as styling, and it looks nondescript, and I like that a lot, but it doesn't really. I don't know I'm like I'm looking at looking at this everything backpack and thinking well if I was using this as like an everyday bag everything would get lost inside <laughs> of it yeah it's just one big open cavern whereas something like the Peak Design everyday backpack has that organizational system right but I still don't like that one because you can only open it up from the side and you don't have like big volume availability but yeah I don't know Come I don't on. love this thing what's the price uh, well, it's on Kickstarter right now, but I think it's like one fifty-ish, mm. something like that. Maybe a little bit cheaper than some of the other options, but not by much. Yeah, it just it seems like it's it's cheaper and then maybe worse yeah. than something like the Peak Design three liter travel backpack. I guess we'll see. I don't know. I mean, it has YKK zippers. It has ripstop nylon. Mm -hmm. And, like, those are all the things that you want out of a really good bag. Like, my Timbuktu is made out of 900D nylon. And, I mean, I guess the travel backpack that I have is also nylon. And, like, they coat it and all that stuff. So, like, it's all the right materials. And it's the right zippers. And it's probably going to be a really good quality backpack. Because that's what Moment makes. They make good quality stuff. But it does, I don't know, it feels, I can't. It feels like maybe they designed it and then had someone manufacture it, which I know like that's what people do anyway. But the, the stuff that Peak Design makes always seems a little more kind of hands-on and more like attention to detail, yeah. whereas some of this just seems a little generic. It
1: kind of I'm kind of skeptical of the idea of an everything backpack because it, it just seems to me like the the design choices that I want in a camera backpack are different than what I want for other use cases. And so... I don't know. I mean, like, obviously I get the idea of having something that, you know, you can put your clothes in as well as put your camera in. I mean, that's what your bag is, but it just seems like when I looked at this bag, it kind of seemed like it was trying to do too many things. And I personally don't really like the boxy design that much, but I kind of feel like when you try and make it too flexible, it makes it hard to figure out how to use it effectively. I don't
0: know. It's really light. I mean, I'm looking at these, uh, these sizes and weights and for comparison, my travel backpack, which is huge, is a 45 liter, weighs like six pounds empty. Yeah. <laughs> that thing is so freaking heavy. Mm-hmm. That's why I recommend nobody buy it because it's too heavy. Mm. I'm just kidding. Everyone should buy it because I love it so much. These things weigh, like, their 28 liter weighs two and a half pounds. That's pretty good. And their 17 liter weighs one and a half. So, I mean, that's that's fairly light. Yeah. But yeah. it's not overly light that I would be concerned. Yeah. So, like, they have have three versions of this backpack and they have a tote. But the backpack comes in 17, 21, and 28. And so, like, most of your standard backpacks, like the Purvete camera, whatever, photo backpack, what what is that called now? The jumper photo something?
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: That one is 20 liters. Okay. And, you know, my standard medium-sized Timbuktu is 21 liters. Mm -hmm. I think my
1: Peter McKinnon bag's 25, maybe? Yeah,
0: yep. So that, like day bag size of like if i'm gonna carry it every day is like this is just kind of the backpack that i always have with me that has like my laptop in it or i'm gonna throw whatever in it 20 ish liters like 18 to 25 is kind of where you want to be yeah and so they have like a 20 liter version of that and i think that you know to say some positive things about this thing the nice advantage of this and something that i use like my timbuk2 bags for is you can get like a camera snoop and then just stick it in your backpack or your bag, and it doesn't have to be a camera bag. So like you can use it for non-camera bag things, but then you can also use it for camera bag things. And the Bravetti can do that because all the stuff can tear out and it can like fold up. Mm-hmm. But it's it's actually more annoying because you have to like set it up in order to use it as a camera bag. I see. Versus, I find myself more inclined to grab my Snoop and then just chuck it in my in my messenger bag. For instance, I'm not shooting anything today. And there's a Snoop right here, and it's got McGamera in it. Just in case. You, you, just, ne- you never know. You never know. I'm just saying. That's not what you would take to a shoot, but if no. you're just casually going around town. Yeah, and so for something like this, like people like to do that. They have their Snoop system, and this has the advantage of having the clips, and you don't have to pay peak design prices to have mm-hmm. you know, just a simple backpack that can do all the things, but then also you can easily convert into a like a daily camera bag that has maybe one camera and one or two lenses in sure. it. Sure,
1: makes sense. I'm sure they will sell some, but I th- they're they're entering into a competitive market with companies like Nomadic and Peak Design and Wandered. Wandered. Yeah, I mean, you know, we could name Name plenty of bag manufacturers that are well known have made many bags, and so it's it's a tough market to get into.
0: Yeah, I think that what they have is a really good brand recognition, and people will see this and maybe kind of dive into it. It does come in mustard yellow, so like, Ooh,
1: that's a that's a plus.
0: I, I could see myself replacing my Bravetti with this. Yeah, you've never really liked the Bravetti that much. I, I mean, feel like. I like the bag, but uh, I don't know. I don't see myself as like. You loving that long term. I still kind of use it here and there. I don't
1: see you using it very much
0: anymore. Well, right. Well, recently my dog peed on it, and so it's sitting Ooh. in a bathtub and I have to wash it. <laughs> Awkward.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, good thing it was already yellow, right? Yeah, that's
0: funny. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, I like the Brevete, but I have fallen like out of love with that bag more than I've grown to like it. Interesting. Whereas, like, I bought my Timbuktu, and I just, that's like my favorite bag. And the same thing with the 45 liter. I was kind of like, man, is this the right thing for me? And like the fact that I can fit all of my camera gear on it and it makes like shoots be one bag shoots instead of multi bag shoots. And also I can travel with it. Man, it's like that bag is everything I wanted it to be and more. And the Brevetti has just been a disappointment.
1: Mm, Yeah. So
0: I could see myself replacing my Brevetti with something like this where I don't necessarily want to bring the the Timbuktu um, because like that's more of my daily like drag it to work bag and kind of thing but I want something that can maybe more easily like stick Snoop in that clips in but I don't need the full travel travel backpack.
1: Yeah I mean it seems like maybe it's more uh, flexible than yeah. the Bervetti and if there's one thing I know about you it's that you you can find an infinite number of slots in your life for more types of bags.
0: <laughs> That's actually what I was going to say next. It's like, it's not hard to convince me to buy another bag. <laughs> I haven't even reviewed the last bag. Yeah, you got to get on it, man. But clearly I have to finish my review slash start my review for the Peak Design so that I can buy this bag and then yeah. review it also.
1: Right. Better get on it. Yep. We right. just got too many projects. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. Too many
0: projects. Yeah. Too many projects and too many podcast topics. Oh, boy. Yeah. Speaking of, like, we, we really got to get into this Nikon Cast, Daniel. Yeah. Have you looked at this Z9 firmware update?
1: I've seen some stuff on it, but I'm going to need you to tell me a little bit about what it is.
0: Okay. So, this is a firmware 4.0. That's a major version bump, which, as we know from having studied the camera gear market and all the manufacturers, that, that's a huge deal. I mean, you save major firmware bumps for things like ISO on a dial.
1: <laughs> or camera to cloud support. <laughs>
0: or camera to cloud support. <laughs> and I would say that the Z9 4.0 firmware update is like ISO on a dial levels of good.
1: Oh, man. Tell me more.
0: They added this feature. Okay, so to put you know, like build some context around this, imagine you're an Icon shooter. Yeah, like a beard and a mustache. You wear like a golfing hat or a fedora. Uh, you spend a lot of time in the wilderness taking pictures of animals. Yep. Uh, maybe you wear flannel. Probably. Yeah,
1: maybe I don't think Nikon's hipster.
0: Yeah, but like my dad wears flannel.
1: Nah, that's true. I'm just saying. It's like it's like mountain man or lumberjack flannel, yeah, yeah, yeah. not like, hipster flannel. Exactly.
0: Not not hipster flannel. Like you're you're a, a travel photographer flannel. Yes. Yeah. So it's really like okay, we're we're now in Nikon shooters. Uh, the Z8 comes out. And it's smaller and lighter mm-hmm. than the Z nine, but it does everything the Z nine does. And
1: and how when did the Z nine come out? Is that like a year ago or something? A
0: year and a half, two years, something okay, like that. Okay, so
1: so if if you are a Z nine owner, you may have had your camera for a pretty long time.
0: And maybe maybe you're on a budget and you don't want to buy a second Z nine. Yeah. Z eight comes out, it's basically half the price. The two thousand dollars cheaper. So I finally something that I can pair with my z9 and get similar stuff so now you have a z9 and a z8 Mm -hmm. and but you're using the z8 more because it's smaller and it's 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 the newer camera and your z9's over there just like not doing anything what do you like what do you do do, sell it no you update it to firmware 4.0 and then it just shoots itself (laughs) (laughs) and not like in like a really desperate way but more like you don't need a second photographer anymore because the Z9 will be its own photographer. What do you mean by that? Okay, so they added this like auto shoot feature which is similar to like a security camera, but it works for video and for photo and has a lot of different modes. So you can like set up your set up your Z9 like on a on a tripod or somewhere where it's going to see an animal or for like a an event shoot or say like an action shoot or something where you know like here's the here's the shot of the hoop or the goal or whatever or the skateboard pipe, and I know that like this is where the action is going to happen and I want to get a photo of it, and it will auto detect multiple different things. So we can do subject detection where like it sees the face and then it takes a picture, or it can do motion detection like anytime it sees motion it takes a picture, or again and you can set it to like a range like if anything happens within this distance parameter then take a picture of it that's cool yeah or shoot video so like you can set it up and it will just automatically capture based upon whatever you need
1: that's cool yeah i mean i'm thinking like we've been to events before that had sort of like a photo booth or photo wall type setup and you have a person there and it's like all these people are going to come and pose and you take their picture could you just set this camera up on the tripod and it could just do that
0: you absolutely could you probably wouldn't because it's a $6,500 camera plus lens and like you don't want to just leave that there you'd have to chain it down
1: (laughs) well maybe you have somebody nearby sure but but they don't they don't have to be a photographer they don't
0: have to be a photographer because the camera is the photographer
1: you just get one of your security guys to stand by the camera
0: yeah easy i'm just saying this is pretty stinking cool like if, if you have I don't know why you'd be using the Z9 as your second camera instead of the Z8. <laughs> but since the Z8 is basically as good, now you can take your spare Z9 that you have just sitting around and just set it up and let it shoot.
1: I mean, that seems that seems like a, a game-changing feature for event stuff. I'm, I'm thinking of a lot of events we've shot where having something that automatically recorded mm-hmm. video in a certain spot, like yeah. that could be really handy.
0: It's very cool. And like for video, like you could set up a time lapse or you could set up a... Uh, you know, a thing to like just yeah just shoot at, always be shooting or always shoot at this well, interval then you've got to edit all that stuff I know you got to go through all that footage a lot of wasted card space this is just going to get it's going to get what you need yeah the Z9 like like a lot of other cameras has that feature where it will do pre-shoot pre-shot and so like if you're in electronic shutter it will just be buffering yeah and the buffer was like 30 seconds mm-hmm. and so you could like click the button and then everything for 30 seconds before we, we in like about burst that or um, whatever
1: we talked about that last week on the Go 3
0: right they extended it to 300 seconds. Okay. So that's it's, a lot longer. Yeah, it's a lot longer. And so if you're trying to pick pictures of like lightning or action or whatever, and you don't want to miss the moment, you turn that thing on, mm-hmm. you can turn that on in pair with the auto shoot features.
1: Oh, cool.
0: And so like you can just have it set to 300 seconds and it doesn't matter if it captured the motion exactly at the right moment because you're going to get everything before it.
1: Yeah, man, that's, that's awesome.
0: It's a pretty stinking cool feature. Yeah. And- Something that would be neat to see in other cameras. I'm yes, just sure. Hint, hint. Hint, hint. It's very very cool, very nice ad. And, but they didn't stop there. This is 4.0. There's more features. We already talked about extending that pre-shot. They are making N-Log better, sort of. So previously, N-Log is ISO 800 as minimum, which is very common for logs, you know, whatever, they recognize that not everybody has a five to non five to nine stop moment ND filter that they've about used sure. or open box, and that maybe or you know it's a very bright scene. Maybe they don't like the noise because they're shooting they're shooting in bright scenes all the time, but they don't love the low light noise of eight hundred.
1: Sure, relatable.
0: They are giving in like a low ISO equivalent for N log, so you can like set it to low, and it it's what well, they've described it as shifting the N the the dynamic range down when I would, I would be concerned. Like if I, if you're crunching the ISO, it's going to reduce your dynamic range. And so I yeah. don't know how they're not doing that, but they didn't say that it reduce the dynamic range. So they, they wouldn't, but they did go out of their way to say it shifts it. So like, maybe you still get the same 13 stops and it's just like lower. Interesting. And they're saying that that base ISO is equivalent to ISO 200. Cause like you can't think of log in the same Parameters as like just ISO two hundred, and so I guess I I assume that whenever you open up the camera, it's not going to say ISO two hundred; it's going to say low.
1: Yeah. Well, that's cool that they added that though, because I mean, we've run into that situation so many times where the twelve fifty base ISO on F Log two is is punishing.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you want to shoot like if you're even if you're shooting in daylight, shooting at a higher ISO gives you more data in the highlights. And like sure you're going to expose to the right, but you still kind of get you get a better like more highlight data, and then you can pull it back in post, and that's what brings your noise down. And it seems like they're basically letting you do this in camera now with this with this change. Yeah, I like it. And they they showed the difference in noise between 800 and low, and it was, it was reasonably significant. It was it's a nice it's a nice change. So cool, really cool ad there. They also. Like as you know, they have this like zoom feature for the Z nine, similar to how you can do, what is it, the the ZVE one, where it can without like reducing the quality because it's an 8K sensor, you can zoom in digitally, and it just kind of changes the area of the sensor that it's cropping, and, and but it, it's, and still, it's like
1: a smooth zoom. It's it's not like on some other cameras where you can just hit a button and jump to an APS C crop or whatever. Correct,
0: right, and so. Yeah, yeah. So like, it will. I don't remember how much it zooms in, but you know, basically it crops down onto the sensor until you get to, say, you're shooting in four K, and it's like downsampling from eight K yeah. to four K. You can zoom into a four K one to one and whatever. The this is really simple, but like the speed at which it zooms could go from negative three to three. Now it goes from negative five to five. Yeah, so uh, you know, I a little, mean, little more granularity on yeah. your digital zoom. No complaints on that. Yeah, no complaints. Uh, I didn't realize this. Like. The Z9 can do, obviously can do 4K 120 with a with a DX crop, which is which is APS-C.
1: Yeah, that's Nikon's term for yep. APS-C. Yeah,
0: anyways, so you could shoot 4K 120, but it was just like straight up 120 frames per second footage that played back at normal speed. And if you wanted to slow it down, you had to pull it into a computer. And so they're adding at like non-cropped 1080 slow-mo baked in as just kind of like an extra option for you if you don't want to have to deal with that and you want the slow-mo, you can then have it come out at 24 or 30, so 5X or 4X oh, okay. slow-mo.
1: Most cameras do that now. So.
0: Yeah, that's most what most cameras look like whenever you do the slow motion. I know that Sony's can give you real-time with high frame rate. Mm-hmm. It seemed like Nikon only did that. Now you can get the actual slow-mo out of the camera. Yeah, cool. I think between like that and then the below ISO stuff, that kind of helps uh, reduce some of the work for, for your video. It speeds up, you know, maybe some of those workflows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that seems like
1: what a lot of the stuff is about is like, you know, I, I know I could pull this stuff into the computer and edit things and get this perfect result, but sometimes I don't want to do that. And I just want to be able to take some pictures or video and then immediately post it. And this stuff gets you closer.
0: So. Yeah, exactly. So, and like if you're doing it on an iPad, it's going to be a huge pain trying to get that stuff slowed no down or whatever. No kidding. Yep. Actually, like you can, you can slow footage down. You just can't speed ramp, which is really annoying because if I'm going to slow something down, I don't want to speed ramp it. I'm just going to Obviously. play it slow. Golly. Anyway, I did watch the Jesse Driftwood Insta360 Go and he makes good videos. He does. It was, it was, it was fun.
1: Yep. I, I don't know how that's related what we're talking about right now, but <laughs> you're right, I, I don't know. <laughs>
0: I was thinking about speed ramping, and he's like the speed ramper. So
1: that's true. Yep. Anyway, I see they also added uh, new shutter sounds. Well, it's
0: an, it's an electronic shutter only camera. So, you know, let's give some options. They still don't let you upload your own custom sound.
1: That's disappointing. Like, I mean, I want like a duck quacking or something. That's
0: what I'm saying. <laughs> 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 or like someone going, snap. <laughs> 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 Maybe I know why they don't allow people to upload sounds. It'd be so annoying. It'd be so fun. I don't know. Oh, you could you could take it. You could go and record the sound from your like 1960s, like a film camera, and then upload that into your Sony and a Sony into your Nikon. Uh, yeah.
1: I don't know about that.
0: But anyway, so like they have a like a mirrorless and a film and a DSLR and a yeah and a beep. I mean or that's, that's
1: kind of cool. It's neat that you can change it.
0: It's nice. Let's see what 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 else do they put on here. Uh, I mean, everything else is kind of just, you know, whatever. Like, they improved some of the 3D tracking. They added, like, finer adjustments for the bracketing. So, instead of it being on, you know, like, third stops, you can get, like, more fine, like, 1.3, mm-hmm. 1.5 for your bracket shots, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically of,
1: it. I mean, that seems like, you know, improved metering accuracy, numeric display for focus distance faster reviewing images in playback mode. I mean, they just added, it seems like everything is a little bit better.
0: Yeah, yeah. They kind of like refined everything and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Whenever they dropped the press release for this, they also said it was coming to the Z8. And then... Well, that's
1: kind of the big question, right? I mean, the Z8 is basically like a little baby Z9. Right. And the Z8 is the newer camera. So what if you've been holding back because, you know, know, this is so expensive and then the Z8 comes out and you get it. And then, you know, great. I got this camera for so much cheaper. Then this firmware comes out like, do you feel like, you feel like you missed out, you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, they also scratched it off of the release. And so it's not coming to the Z8. Ooh, really? Right now. So I think that, like, this is going to come to the Z8, but they're, it seems like they're trying to balance, like, you have this flagship top-of-the-line camera and you want the people who bought it to feel justified that they bought it. And, like, the people that bought the Z8, like, they paid less or whatever, do they, like, also is the Z8 completely supplanting the Z9, or does the Z9 still stand out as, like, the, the flagship? Yeah. And so I think that they want, to, they want to release this firmware for the Z9, let it happen for a little while, and then roll it out to the Z8 later. I
1: mean, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I, I know people get upset about stuff like this because they say, if it's just software, then why are you holding features back from one camera, mm-hmm. you know, not putting it on everything? I mean... These companies have to try and sell products at different price points. And sometimes in the modern world of electronics, sometimes the thing that separates the higher end model is a software feature, not a hardware feature. So
0: it I mean, feels it feels kind of arbitrary, but I also kind of get it.
1: Yeah. I mean I, I guess to me it just feels like if you're paying way more money for something, then sure, maybe it has some software features that aren't in the lower end model. I mean, it kind of makes sense to me. I
0: do appreciate them rolling these features out to the the high end camera first. Yeah. Rather than like, and I get that, you know, maybe the other one takes more time because of development time or whatever. Maybe they're just not done and they're not. It's not like they finished the Z8 features and they're just holding it. Yeah. Maybe it's just going to take more time. But but, what I I
1: do find it really interesting that you said that was in the press release to begin with and then they kind of scrubbed it from there because. It could have been a typo. uh, It could have been, but I don't know. I mean, it kind of makes you wonder. Were they undecided about what they wanted to do? Was that like a last minute decision? That's that's interesting.
0: Yeah, it's. it's I mean, it's hard to say. This is does does seem different in general from what other companies are doing. We're like Sony. Whatever their coolest newest software feature is, they release it with the newest camera. And
1: then sometimes don't ever take it to the and, oldest. Yeah, ones.
0: and they never take it to like the high end. You know, A one or whatever. Yeah, and like that feels kind of icky. It does. So, it is nice that they are still focusing on making the Z9 this, you know, top-end flagship, but I don't know. It's it's interesting.
1: If it comes to the Z8, it's going to make the Z8 an even more compelling option because, I mean, some of these things, like that auto-shoot thing, there aren't other cameras really doing this stuff, and so that's, I mean, the Z8 already seemed like a good deal, and if they add these features to it, that's going to make it something that's unique and, you know, like, comparatively pretty affordable.
0: Yeah, I mean, ignoring... Ignoring cost, the Z8 may be the best hybrid mirrorless camera you can buy right now.
1: That's a bold statement.
0: I'm just saying. I think it can shoot 8K uncropped. Yeah. It's got decent rolling shutter. Mm hmm. Just does all the things. It can shoot raw. It doesn't have two CF Express card slots, which is kind yeah, of Yeah, that, that is
1: a downside. I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons to go with the uh, Z9.
0: Right. It's like if you need unlimited compressed raw burst rates but also backed up, you have to go Z9. Yeah. Anyway, so you do, you go out and you buy this, you buy this Z8, Z9. What kind of lenses are you going to put on there?
1: That's a great question. You you mentioned earlier that you, you had looked at a lot of lenses, so.
0: Yeah, so like I wasn't as up to speed on Nikon's lens portfolio. And so I was trying to get an idea of like how complete is the Z lineup. And how does it compare to something like Canon or Sony? And, you know, if you're you're diving into into Nikon, like, what would be my top Nikon lens list if I did, you know, 1 to 10? Yeah. I did not make that list.
1: And and we know that you can buy any used Nikon lens you want. Because we've made this joke before that the camera store, it's like, you know, they give you five used right. lenses. Just any those, those F-mount lenses. But if you want, like, the new, you know, you, you're buying a Z-mount camera. You want a Z-mount lens. Right,
0: right, right. And it seems like they have a complete portfolio. They have, like, 40 lenses. Sigma does make some lenses for Z, but right now it's only their three APS C lenses that they make for everything. You can't get like a good array of zooms. Oh, okay. my dad uses a Sigma 150 to like 600, but I think he adapts it from FE, I see. Mm-hmm. which fine, and it works totally fine. Autofocus works and everything, so like that's still an option. Whenever I was digging through this and like looking at Nikon and like looking at Canon, it seems like. The things that Nikon excels in are, one, their lenses are cheaper, but they all, like they have the equivalent, like mega expensive lenses, but it seems like they are more focused on zoom options than Canon. If you're jumping into Canon, you get, it's like, here's your, here's your ultra wide, your standard and your telephoto zoom. And you can buy those in F4 or F2.8. And there they are. Yeah, And then maybe they have a few on the top end and that's it. Nikon has like all those standard zooms and you can get you can get them in F4 or you can get them in in F2.8 mm-hmm. but then they also have these like weird variations of them. So like you can get a 24 to 120 F4 zoom. And they're like, "Well, we'll just add a little more on the top end cuz we can." And I think what's most interesting is they have a small and light fast zoom set. And so they have their standard, you know, 24 to 70 70 to 200, those kind of zooms. Sure. And they're they're their ultra wise are a little different, right? Like it's fifteen to thirty-five for Canon, but it's like 14 to 28 on on Nikon. They like those are a little the numbers are just like a little different. But they have these these 2.8 zooms that are cheaper, smaller, lighter. And the example of that is they just, 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 just came out with the 70 to 180. And that's a 70 to 180 F two point eight. And it's like 40 percent lighter oh than the 70 to 200.
1: That's that's pretty meaningful. I know you you don't really care as much about weight of lenses and stuff, but I get tired of holding up a heavy camera. so I think, yeah. I think it's cool.
0: There, it's it's significant and like but they've done this. this was like the last one of the trio. So you can go out there and you can buy a 17 to 28, a 28 to 75 and a 70 to 180. And so, like, that's, it's a little weird because it's not, like, your standard, like, 15 yeah, to 30. Yeah, Right? So, it's, like, different ranges. But because they're sacrificing on those extreme ends of those lenses, they are, like, 30, 40% lighter. They're smaller in diameter significantly. Like, you're going from, like, a 77 to a 72 filter thread. They're, like, a couple inches shorter. They're, a little, they're so much lighter. And they're cheaper. They're cheaper by, like, 500 bucks in that, some cases. I
1: mean, if I was in Nikon, I'd be looking at stuff like that. Because that that sounds great.
0: Yeah, it does sound great. And so like this this whole like light zoom option, light fast zoom option, is something that you just don't get from Canon. Yeah, you can't get it from Sony because Sony has a billion lenses. <laughs> of but, course they do. Oddly enough, like these kind of you know like smaller, lighter, faster lens option, where maybe like the range is weirder, Sigma makes them for for Sony, and they also make them for L mount.
1: Interesting. It is interesting.
0: Oh, okay. So when we when we both switch to Lumix, then we'll be like the sigma lenses. Okay. So like in all this lens research, I was like, well, maybe like what Canon's good for is nothing. Just kidding. Uh, is like they want they want you to have fast glass. They're like, yeah. like, we want sharp image quality and really fast lenses that are heavy and expensive so we can make a bunch of money. And so they have things like that, that whatever, whatever to seventy F two zoom. Which, like, Nikon just doesn't have. No one makes yeah. anything like that. Yeah, we talked about that one last mm-hmm. week, I think. And they have these, like, really fast primes and that sort of thing. And I was like, okay, so maybe, like, a Canon makes more fast primes. And so I was like, how many lenses does Canon make that are faster than 1.8? And it's, like, three. They make, like, like a, a 35 or a 24. Do they make a 24? And then, like, a 50 and an 80 that are sure. 1.2. Yeah. And I like, at Nikon, it's basically the same lenses. I'm like, oh. They're just making those standard primes in, like, 1.2, 1.4. Yeah, same
1: same lens every camera has.
0: Yeah, with. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, who does full frame just not have, like, super fast primes? So, like, who, who makes the most, like, 1.4 primes? And it turns out it's Sigma. Interesting. If you go look at the Sigma art lenses, they're like... Yeah, you want 1.4s? Sure. Here's a 16, a 20, a 24, a 30, a 32, a 35, <laughs> a 40, a 45, and a 50, and an 85. And it's like you can get all of these things at 1.4. I, 4. I kind of, you know, my first
1: thought is, well, why can they do that and can and can't? And I wonder if it's because they can make them for multiple mounts. And so maybe that broadens their market, makes it easier to justify the development and like production of those lenses because they can just throw a different mount on But they're on
0: basically it. only making them for L and E mount.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: Okay. They're like, you can't get, you can get some of those for, no, well, no, you can't. They don't make them for Z. They don't make it for RF. And well, it's yeah, like, don't make
1: them for, no, nobody makes them for yeah, RF. I think
0: they used to make them for EF. But okay. Maybe not so much anymore. And that's, those are like all the art lenses. Yeah. Well, that just goes back to the whole Sigma thing of they're like, you know, maybe these other manufacturers are compromising on like weight and all this stuff. We're just going to, we're going to get you the fastest, sharpest lens that we can, regardless. Really? And so those art lenses are enormous. But Yeah.
1: It's interesting that the, some of these manufacturers have optimized for different things.
0: But like what that means is if you want the fastest primes, you're shooting Sony or Lumix.
1: Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah,
0: not not Canon and yeah. not Nikon. Huh. And I was like, hold up a minute. <laughs> <laughs> this whole time we're like, L-Mount just needs to kind of fill out. It's already filled out, Daniel. Apparently. There's no reason not to buy an S5 Mark II and shoot Sigma glass.
1: No reason.
0: Zero reasons <laughs> <laughs> anyways this is, well, this is this is not Lumix cast this is icon cast yes okay so I feel like those are kind of worth highlighting because that's a, re- a big distinguishment for an icon is those lightweight yeah. fast zooms I mean
1: it, it kind of makes up for you know like you and I both shoot APS-C one of the reasons we like it is because the lenses are a little bit smaller and lighter you know every, the whole kit is lighter weight and I mean I'm not saying this totally makes up for it but it helps
0: those are basically all less than $1500 too
1: yeah yeah, the price is also a big factor. I mean, mm-hmm. You know, especially with Canon, like we talked uh, recently about some of those mid-range Canon lenses, and they do exist. But even then, the these Nikon lenses seem better in in terms of like aperture and stuff.
0: Yeah, they're not they're not the S line, which is the same thing as like the L series and like yeah, the top end the professional. Lens. Yeah, so like they do make those, and those are gonna be twice as expensive and heavier, and all this stuff. Well, like if you don't need it, they have something for you in the middle, yeah, and it's two point eight, pretty cool. Whereas for Canon, you're shooting f four if you need something in the middle, yeah. So I think that like, that's really really appealing. The other thing that I think you get out of Nikon and why you might shoot them, shoot Nikon, anyways, shoot Nikon instead of like Canon or whatever is it's one is it's like you get way more zooms, but then you get way more stuff on the top end. When looking at Canon, they make like a four hundred and an eight, like an eight hundred prime and then they have like one zoom that's a 100 to 400 and Mm -hmm. it's this huge range it's like f4 point something to f7 point one yeah Nikon has this new lens that came out like a year ago that's a 150 to it's a 180 to 600 and it's like f 5.6 to 6.3 it has like it's like a third stop at the very 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 top end but it's basically constant aperture Canon doesn't have anything like that yeah they have nothing to compete with that level of like distance and telephoto on full frame i do feel like
1: you see maybe more representation with nikon and things like wildlife shooting than you do with canon
0: yeah so like the more i look at it the more it seems like like that is nikon's like this is where we are we're not aiming at the portrait shooters like sure they have the niche things like the new 85 1.2 is delicious they have the knocked which is heavy but most of their stuff is like how are we getting these great telephoto shots And what are we doing for landscape, sports, and wildlife in action? And so, like taking the shutter out, and improving their autofocus, and having all these really good zooms are this. They're gearing just right at it. And the more that I looked at it, I'm like, man, they're like that's their market. I don't think they they care about what Canon's doing from like looking at all their lenses and like where they compare and where they are in the ecosystem, and of like all the different manufacturers. It feels like. Nikon is more focused on Sony and chasing after Sony than they are after Canon. Interesting.
1: Right now. That's not what most people would assume. You know, you'd think like these are the two big players, Nikon and Canon, and they're, you know, at each other's throats.
0: But that. they're like, they're not doing anything to compete with Canon right now. Canon's like, you know, fast glass, color, all, and all this stuff. And But Nikon's like, we want, we want to get really good zooms. We want to, you know, great wildlife options. And their, their lenses are more of an exact match to, like, the Sigma and the Sony lenses. And they're, like, pushing out autofocus and that sort of thing. So,
1: well, I can respect it. I mean, I would rather these companies try to do different things and give me something that's more optimized for certain uses rather than everybody trying to do the exact same thing and just do it a little bit better than everyone else. I mean, as a consumer, that gives me more options. And, I mean, if I was shooting wildlife and sports and stuff like that, I don't see why I wouldn't consider Nikon. Seems like a great fit.
0: Yeah, to me, like that's that's where it is, right? If you need, I was gonna say like if you need a, like a hybrid video camera and you need like more lens options or like you need autofocus to be perfect, like Sony. But the autofocus on Nikon's gotten pretty good, so I don't even know if that's valid anymore. But it seems like Nikon is where you go if you are shooting sports, if you're shooting wildlife. It's like don't even think about Canon. Yeah, like you need to be shooting Nikon or Sony.
1: Yeah. And I mean, especially if you, you know, I still think of Nikon as a photo, photo thing, but I mean, I know that their video features are pretty good too, so. They're Um,
0: pretty good. I'm telling you, man, that Z8, it can do everything. Everything. Just name name a feature. (laughs) It can do it.
1: Can't do auto shooting
0: yet. Just wait, just wait for it. It's coming. (laughs) It's coming. What the Z9's for.
1: Yep. Pretty cool.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's... Maybe not too much more on that topic. I was I was hoping to have like a list of you know look at these cool lenses or whatever. I got a little caught up on like the wide end. I thought it was interesting how whenever you get pat get under twenty four, none none of these manufacturers have like the same equivalent lens. Mm-hmm. It's like Canon has their fifteen to thirty five, and Nikon has like a fourteen to twenty eight and like a seventeen to thirty or something. I never like know
1: that. W- w- how they decide on those things. Like if they have a target for you know optical quality weight whatever and then it's just like whatever millimeter we can get at that range but i've always wondered why that
0: i don't know i think it's like it's all a compromise because like once you get into that low of an end just one millimeter makes a huge difference so it's a compromise yeah. of like weight and size and all this stuff and maybe he's doing like flange distance plays into there but it's they have a a 17 to 28 a 14 to 30 and a 14 to 24 if three ultra wide <laughs> zooms <laughs> and
1: they're all like that's all really close yeah and
0: they're all like somewhere between $1000 and $2500 yeah. so it's like 1000 1150 and like 2500 mm-hmm. and so like that's what you get on Nikon and then you come over to Canon and it's like we only have the 15 to 35 and it costs $2500 yeah that's not true they have they have an f4 version of that that's cheaper yeah as, yeah. as we often forget
1: but you you have more choices with the Nikon side yeah, uh, all along that price spectrum. Yeah,
0: it's well, yeah, it's like what they what they have is the same trinity of zooms, but you get the third option, which is you can buy them in f four, you can buy them in f two point eight, or you can buy them in a smaller version of two point eight. Right, and it's those smaller, lighter versions that I think are the most appealing to the non professional photographers. I agree. And the only other people that are making those are like Sigma mm-hmm. and Sony. Yeah. So you're like, I guess the Canon Canon Fuji are out in the cold. Yep. But well, I,
1: Fuji lenses are smaller anyway because they're APS-C
0: and they're all like and you can get most of the Fuji primes in 1.4. That's true, unlike you know. all these dumb full-frame cameras. Yeah. Well, what, what, you,
1: what is that 1.4 uh, equivalent? I mean, in it's full-frame, Lucas. It, it, can, you, can you tell me what that number no, is? No,
0: Daniel, I can't because I can't <laughs> do math. It's basically 2.8, yeah, right? So, yeah. so shut up.
1: <laughs> this is Nikon cast, not Fuji cast. I'm
0: just saying, if you're shooting full-frame and it's and Like, what do you get? What are you getting? You can lower noise and you're getting more bucca. Yep. Give me them fast lenses.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is surprising that there aren't more of those. I mean, I guess they just get so big and heavy, and maybe they think people don't want to pay that much for them, and who knows?
0: I guess, like, the point of all of this is that the more that I research, like, Nikon and all the cool stuff they're doing with their cameras and all their lens options, like, the more I dig into it, the more I realize that if I went full frame, I would buy a Lumix. (laughs) <laughs> those similar lenses look great they do
1: i mean yeah it, especially hearing that sigma makes all those fast primes for mm-hmm.
0: it uh, yep 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 yep. i don't know that's that's it i think that's all i got i've been rattling rattling on do you have any opinions yeah. on icon here daniel
1: uh i mean not not that i haven't already shared i think that the firmware update looks great uh you know you always like to see big new features being added to a camera that's been out for a while because that does not happen all that much anymore so that's great to see i know all the z8 owners are really hoping that firmware update comes to their cameras so i mean i hope so too i think that uh think that'd be good but i mean these cameras look pretty interesting i don't think i'm gonna buy one i mean like you said if i went full frame i'm so video focused that i would get a lumix over a nikon but i think that i think they're underrated i mean i think that you only ever really hear people talking about canon and sony now in terms of like uh you know photo or or normal video you know type use and i i don't see an argument for why you shouldn't look at Nikon. i mean it seems like they offer the same sorts of things and sometimes at a better value
0: yeah and it's it's really like if you are in that like you need the telephoto stuff and you need the fast action stuff Nikon's, Nikon's a really good option for it, especially yeah. in the professional market,
1: which is a lot of what people shoot. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they're they're still around. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know what their financials look like compared to Canon or anything. You know, we don't hear about them as much on YouTube land, but I mean, they're still around and I'm sure they're selling a ton of Z8s. Yeah. I'm so sure they are.
0: What they need is a C6 Mark III and a C7 Mark III. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm sure it's coming eventually.
0: Yeah, eventually, maybe another year. Yeah. They seem they seem slower than everybody. They do. Yeah, But then they release these, like, really, really killer cameras. Yeah. I'm looking at Sigma's lens page under L-mount, they have a 35 1.2. Wow. Yeah, no one else is making that. Golly, I mean, look at all these things. I got, like, a, a f- uh, 20 1.4 and a 35 and a 24 and a 14 <laughs> and a 20. These are all 1.4. 50, 85, obviously. 105 1.4. No, I, holy hell. Holy, it's got to have I, a
1: 95 millimeter filter it's thread. It's got to be at least. I need to look at this real quick. I on. wonder I wonder when all those came out. Because I, I just feel like when L-mount first happened, it, it seemed like there were only three lenses for it. And that seemed like a big downside to L-mount. And then, you know, time passed and we kind of forgot about L-mount. And now it seems like they have tons of options.
0: 105 millimeter filter thread.
1: <laughs> that lens is basically a square.
0: It had. Oh my gosh, it's huge. It has... 17 elements in it. Golly. Wow. Yeah, that's I didn't look work. to see how heavy it was. Hold yeah, that's on. I got go a lot. Yeah. Anyways, Sigma Primes, man. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about.
1: Pretty cool. Sounds like a math equation.
0: It yeah it does actually.
1: <laughs> just hold just hold on. I'm waiting another weight of that lens.
0: That's actually not as much as I thought. Uh they make it for Sigma SA mount. That's fun. Do you think that it weighs more or less than a knocked? I think it weighs less than a knocked. I have to do I have to do math here. 1.72. because I three point seven pounds. So it's a pound less than a knocked. <laughs> that's,
1: that's a pretty heavy lens, but I mean, one hundred and five is also you know an unusual prime. So
0: yeah, I mean, it's it's that extra telephoto. It's yeah, nice.
1: Yeah, pretty cool.
0: Anyways, okay. we done Daniel we recorded for like seven hours
1: yeah yeah I think we've uh, we've beat the Nikon horse for now okay
0: jeez, scratch that Nikon itch yep cool cool cool
1: that's it for the show today thanks for joining us and if you liked it tell a friend so they can check it out too you can find out more about the show at www.cameragearpodcast.com and you can find us on twitter at cameragearpod we'll be back with more next week